pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. We've decided, inadvertently or otherwise, that this episode is essentially shit on the Parramatta Eels week after they've continued to fire blanks despite being in an excellent position to go deep into the finals. On top of that, their captain wants to join the $1 million club. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Stick around. Round 21 is done and dusted for the NRL. No more ghost stadiums as the lockdown has been lifted in southeast Queensland. Um, I thought I'd start that at the top because Kieran, being a, a Brisbane resident, that's that's good news for you. Um, obviously, get to a little bit more freedom, which is something that we get to enjoy more than our, our New South Wales counterparts, I'm afraid. Yeah, it is. Although um, I would have said this to you guys before in the chat, I've, I'm actually in a moon boot at the moment, so I don't really get much or any more freedom other than going to my um, physio appointments. But it is nice for uh, the lockdown to be lifted. We do get to go out. I, I can go out at least freely um, when I'm allowed out for a bit of a walk. But other than that, I, I don't get to go out too much. But yeah, good to have the lockdown lifted and good to be able to get to go to some games. Yes, and good for a bunch of uh, Queensland fans. Now, you had five out of eight correct last week, Kieran, and you also, I think you came pretty close with your bold prediction. You just put the wrong team name down because you said that the Roosters Roosters would beat the Panthers by seven points or less, and it would be the lowest scoring game of the round. I didn't run the maths on this, but was was it the lowest scoring game of the round? It was pretty close. It was the equal second lowest scoring, um, and obviously the Panthers, yeah, the Panthers got it done. Oh, yeah. well, you're close, but no cigar for you. Uh, Friendy, you're on the Central Coast in New South Wales, which means that you are still in lockdown. How are you going there, mate? Yeah, I'm good in down in uh, Long Bay, uh, down on the Central Coast down here, Long Bay Jail at the moment. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a struggle, but it is what it is. Hopefully, we can give the, the people some entertainment to get them through. I love that attitude. You uh, you got five out of eight for your tips, uh, but your bold prediction may have uh, may have gone off. It did, yeah. Got the second one for the year, so snuck one in there. Uh, seven fullbacks crossed for the weekend, so I was pretty happy with that. Uh, see how we go later in the show with another one. Yeah, just showing off. You only asked for six different fullbacks, and you got seven. Just showing off for the fans. I love it, <laughs> especially for your uh, good friends. Good friend uh, Lawrence Leggy, who pays attention to the show very closely, and shout out to Lawrence. We will be answering Lawrence's questions a bit later on in the show. Miles, it, uh, you're also uh, going through lockdown at the moment. Miles Stedman, uh, how are you how are you coping with everything? Oh, it, it is obvious, as I said earlier. Um, pretty much everyone everyone in the country is in lockdown. It seems at the moment, except it's Queensland. So. Um, yeah, I'm sure you guys will be back in sooner or later. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think you're probably right. Uh, you got a few things right on the weekend. You got seven out of eight, which is the most out of a lot of us. Uh, you also suggested, suggested that Ash Taylor would torment the Cowboys, uh, much like he did the team prior to playing against the Cowboys, that he would control the game with two try assists and a 40-20. Now, he did have a good game. Uh, there was a 40-20, but I think it was Toby Sexton that kicked it. Uh, but how close did you come there? 
Yeah, he didn't hit any of those statistical markers, unfortunately, but he did have a good game, so I feel like the, the spirit of the bowl prediction was there. <laughs> I'll pay it. Uh, I got six out of eight, and my bowl <laughs> prediction was that uh, the left side of the Rabbitohs would obliterate the Eels with six tries uh, down that left edge between the winger and this, the second row and the fullback and the 5 eighth and all that sort of stuff. They got three... Uh, so I was pretty happy with that, but obviously that's half of what I said. I think, like like you, Miles, I think the spirit was there because the left edge did dominate the Eels' right side defence, but wasn't quite up to the scratch. Uh, now let's talk about what we learned from round 21. Guys, what I learned was that there is some residual Todd Payton grit left at the Warriors. They, they seem to be just sort of digging in the same way they kind of did last year, which tells me that, yeah, either there is some residual grit from Todd Payton's time there, or, or Nathan Brown has suddenly learned how to coach. It's it's one of the two. I'm not sure exactly uh, which it is. Or maybe Peter Hicku and Adam Fanua Blake are the great captains of our time. Uh, again, not sure. Uh, but that is what I learned last week. The Warriors got a little bit of grit. It's good to see, uh, frankly. And it makes tipping quite difficult, although I did tip them to beat the Sharks. Friendy, you also tipped them to beat the Sharks. Uh, what did you learn last week? I certainly did, and they're still on their way to the eight, I think. Um, hopefully that comes true in a few weeks' time. We'll see how we go. But I uh, learnt last week that I'm ready for some finals footy. So some of the games were really good this week, uh, Melbourne Manly in particular, uh, Roosters Penrith, um, but some of the other games, Tigers Dogs, that made me physically ill on the Sunday. Um, <laughs> either that or the yeah the dozen beers the night before i'm not too sure but um yeah i'm certainly ready for some finals footy and some high quality games from uh, the stars of our game yeah that that melbourne manly game was tremendous wasn't it miles uh, a shining light on the weekend yeah it was good um yeah and what i learned um i learned in trailing on from from friends uh little uh sledge there um i think forward packs have have changed significantly in the past 10 years um unfortunately no one told the bulldogs <laughs> they've, uh, they've always sort of uh been partial to those bigger bruising uh forward packs obviously guys in the past like steve price uh darren Britt, um more recently aiden tolman greg eastwood those sorts um how obviously times have, have changed since back then and, and those larger I think those larger, more bruising forward packs are now more of a liability than anything. Um, you see, you know, the slow-footed Dylan Narper and, and Jack Hetherington, who's certainly not slow. In fact, I think he's the fastest forward in the game, uh, if I'm correct, at least this year. But uh, both have uh, accepted bans this week, um, uh, which were, I'd say, directly indicative of their style of play. Um, and forwards these days are much more fleet of foot, um, which is uh, some of the, the top media gainers in the in the, the league, like James Fisher-Harris, uh, Zay Papali. Uh, so let's help, hope this doesn't hold the doggies back next year, but they'll really need to sort of find more of those modern-style forwards than those big, hulking uh, forwards who tend to give away a lot of penalties, uh, to make a lot of high shots and, and miss a lot of games as a result. But, Miles, with some of the friends that we have on Facebook, surely you'd agree that aggression is the most important <laughs> ingredient to a rugby league team and their success. Well, that's true, Bo, but uh, aggression doesn't always look like uh, uh, time spent off the field. I mean, y- you can't charge into the defensive line if you're uh, sitting out because you're suspended, can you? 
That's true. And I do remember, I think it was you that said uh, the most important attribute uh, a player can have is availability. Is that what it was? It was yes. something like that. Yes. So, uh, yes, that speaks volumes there. Kieran, what did you learn in round 21? I have touched on this in the last couple of weeks, but this weekend was the strongest affirmation of it or confirmation, I think. Uh, I think a Storm versus Panthers grand final is no foregone conclusion with the Rabbitohs and Seagulls putting in uber impressive performances on the weekend. I have to admit, uh, I'm I'm becoming very, very happy with my prediction that the the Sea Eagles would slot into fourth place now that Angus Crichton has a has an injury with the Roosters and the Parramatta Eels are a, a laughing stock at the moment. But um, we will get to that very shortly. Before we do that, let's talk about what some wild card uh, awards. Speaking of laughing stocks, my award this week is the Drunken Penguin Award for being the epitome of graceful movement. And it goes to Josh <laughs> Curran. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, didn't he completely yeah. <laughs> balls up his exit from the stadium against the Sharks the other night? For those that didn't see it, go look it up if you can. It's fantastic. Friendy sounds like he's seen it. Um, <laughs> he Basically, he's just walking off pretty harmlessly. They just won this amazing game against the Sharks. Amazing might be a strong word. And uh, he trips on something. Somehow, from walking pace, he propels himself at a rate of knots towards a concrete wall. Uh, luckily, he's wearing headgear, which does nothing. Um, no, thankfully, he's, he's tireless. And he, he was great the other night against the Sharks. I thought, really, really good Josh Curran. Uh, his tireless defensive efforts were not sated against the Sharks. He also wanted to tackle the hand sanitizer stand uh, on his way down the tunnel to avoid hitting a concrete wall. It was a, a really fantastic effort. I do strongly recommend you go look it up if you can. Uh, Josh Curran tackling a hand sanitizer stand. Um, it was definitely a highlight of the week for me. Uh, he is Grace. He is Precision. He is Josh Curran, the winner of the Drunken Penguin Award <laughs> for being the epitome of graceful movement. <laughs> Miles, what's your wildcard award this week? I'd like to give my wildcard award to, to Will Chambers, who is reportedly not very popular with his teammates. Um, can't confirm the accuracy of that, um, thanks to that reporting from Isaac Luke. But um, look, the man is highly proficient in the dark arts. We know this. And he, he never fails to realise when there's a, a free penalty in the offing. Um, and he proved that value over the weekend as well, drawing uh, known psychopath Kane Evans into his <laughs> which is obviously only going to end one way. Um, Evans attempting to prove his manhood with his fists and, and Chambers earning his team penalty. And, and I believe a uh, Sinbin as well, so a 10-minute power play there as well, which is, look, come finals, that could prove really important if the Sharks make it. And the Sharks still lost. Like, Kane Evans got Sinbin twice. Mm. And, like, as we talked about, aggression being the most important thing, Kane Evans <laughs> confirms to be the greatest player in the game, Miles. Yes, absolutely, Bo. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Friendy, what's your wildcard award this week? Uh, my wildcard award this week, Bo, is the Christina Aguilera Award, and it goes to Cameron Smith. So... I found myself listening to Cameron Smith uh, on SEN recently and he's got a show called The Captain's Run. He's also been in commentary and uh, like Christina Aguilera's song, Dirty, that's exactly how I felt when I realised that I might actually like the guy. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows his stuff. He's obviously, yeah, he was a superstar rugby league player, so he's a great analyst. And um, I think after listening to him, I'd actually enjoy having a, a, a beer with him and, and some lunch or something. He's a, actually a really cool dude, so... Um, yeah, I felt very dirty, um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I, I, apparently I like the former Queensland captain. 
like a genie in the bottle. He just rubbed you the right way. Would you say, Friendy? Well, yeah, I, I guess I guess we'll go with that. Yes, <laughs> I just it's the only Christina Aguilera song I can think of. I'm sorry. Um, don't worry, he's the Australian captain. You're allowed to like him too. It's okay. He's not just the Queensland captain. He was the Australian captain as well. What's your work for this week, Karen? I've got the the Old Boys Cheer Award, which goes to the Parramatta Eels, who have earned the ire of old real real sport riders over the years, and are having a fairly torrid end to the season with just one win from their last five. Yes, and they will be the subject of a lot of our news that is coming up. Starting off with, let's start off with the fact that Clint Gutherson, their captain and fullback, uh, and absolutely certified the equal seventh best fullback in the comp, by the way, by the above the horizontal panel, which is the only <laughs> the only vote that matters as far as I'm concerned. Basically, it's coming out that after the last... It was kind of like a standoff a couple of years ago that he had with the Eels where they wouldn't pay him what he wanted. And they, he eventually landed on something like 750k a year for a couple of seasons. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, he, he, he settled for 750k. That's that's right. Yeah. So he actually wanted. I think it was an extra 100k or so. And it was. It, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it, it sort of went back and forth for a month or two about whether Gutho was going to re-sign with the Eels and what does it say about the Eels if they can't get their own captain to re-sign for the club. Um, so he he eventually settled for the 750 grand, but. I think that was on the proviso that his next deal, whatever it was going to be, was a, a significant upgrade. Now, Clint, Clint Gutherson is now a State of Origin player. He has played three games of State of Origin for New South Wales in the uh, highly successful 2020 series for them. Um, and basically, Clint Gutherson is saying that he wants a million dollars a season. Now, that's obviously a significant upgrade on the reported 750 grand per year so basically we need to decide whether clint gutherson is worth that kind of money to your club if you are the eels or whether you're looking in a different direction or what sort of conversation if you were brad arthur would you be having with the media with clint gutherson himself to try and resolve this situation friendy you're the person i i most liken to brad arthur because of your football knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, you're Brad Arthur. Your name is Daniel Arthur, let's say. You're the uh, coach of the Eels. You're also heavily involved in, in recruitment and retention. Your fullback and captain, Clint Gutherson, wants a million dollars a year. What do you say? Yeah, g'day, Gutho. Uh, I heard you wanted a, a big upgrade uh, this year, mate. So we'll come into my office and we'll have a quick chat. Uh, I've just got one important question for you uh, in relation to that. Do you have uh, Joey Manu's number? <laughs> <laughs> well, is that, is that the way you're going pretty much? So, so with say well, if you had a million dollars to play with, are you going with yeah, Joey Manu? I'm, I'm going with Joey Manu. If they've got a million dollars to spend on that position, um, I'm upgrading. Gutho's all energy, he's all effort, and, and he's, a, he's a good player in his own right. But I think, yeah, Joey Manu... If, if you're prepared to spend that money on that position, I'm, I'm calling him straight away and, and Gutho is, well, potentially out the door. Very interesting because that sort of leads uh, to a point that I was going to bring up. Are there that many fullback options out there? Do the Eels need to uh, suck in some pride a little bit and actually just come to the negotiating table with Mr. Gutherson? So, Miles, I'm going to talk to Miles Arthur. Miles... 
yeah, like, what what are you saying to Clint Gutherson or the media about this situation? He wants a million dollars a year. Uh, hey, Clint, um, welcome to my office. Sit down. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm the one having this conversation with you. Um, it should, probably should be the GM, but oh well. Um, hey, you, you know how you when you signed your last contract, you were like, I don't know what, 24, 23, and there was a massive fullback bubble. Well, well, guess what? That bubble's burst. You're now making probably more than guys like Latrell Mitchell, Brian Pappenhausen, AJ Brimson. They're all way younger than you, way more talented than you. Uh, you're never going to be making $800,000 per year again in your career. Um, there's also no open jobs at fullback around the NRL because it's a stacked position. Um, it's it's and you have absolutely no leverage. It's it's like the it's almost like the subprime mortgage crisis. Anyway, good chat. Sign the contract. Get out. And if not, if not, here is a here's a Japanese phrase book you can use when you go to play rugby in Japan for a, a team owned by a whiskey company or something like that. So feel free to take it or leave it, bud. Arigato gozaimasu. So, so my Miles, what are you willing to offer Clint Gutherson? Well, um, that's interesting. I mean, we well, three of our top four fullbacks from last week and. Probably the only players at the position to earn more than a million dollars a season. I, I, I know Ponga's on that. I know um, Tedesco's on that. I know Trebojevic's on that. Uh, I, Mitchell's not. Um, so theoretically, if we slot, slot Gutherson in where we did as the, the seventh best fullback in the NRL, that'd have him earning about what Brimson's on, which is right now $600,000 per season. And he will be earning that for the next few years now because he signed, a, I think, a five or six year contract earlier this year. So that's obviously currently less than what he's on right now, which, for reference, um, I believe has him as the fourth best paid fullback in the league currently, Gutho. So, you know, he's, he's only 26. He's, he's certainly not old. But uh, unfortunately, his contemporaries are, are all younger than him, and they've all signed for less than, than what he's on right now. So that means it's unlikely that he's going to be the one to sign the the market resetting contract that he's, he's sort of after. So... Um, and by the way, you, you mentioned that state of origin ticket. He's sort of the way I look at it, or the way I think most of the league would look at it, is he sort of lost that because he's he obviously wasn't in the team this year. He he sort of blew it when he was in the team. So I don't think he's going to have the extra cash that comes with that sort of you know future state of origin talent that he did last time he signed. It would certainly help him if they managed to win a premiership, but they haven't done that yet either, and they don't look like they're going to. And more on that in a second. Kieran, you're Kieran Arthur. Uh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> with all that in mind, do you have a strategy for how you're going to deal with Mr. Gutherson? Uh, hey, Gatho, sit down. Um, look, I've had you in my office twice now, and I think I've said just about all there is to say. Um, look, I, I think if you're going to go to to any other club, it's going to be the Broncos or the Dragons, and uh, you won't get to do your little dance nearly as often with how (laughs) potent they are. So I think sign the contract or, uh, yeah, go elsewhere. And are you thinking along similar lines of Miles that uh, you'd be offering, if not the same amount of money, perhaps even less? Well, I actually wrote down 700000 but once Miles brought up the AJ Brimson thing, I thought, well, he's a bit... AJ Brimson's done it at a club with less talent, um, or arguably less talent. There's more talent at the Eels, debatably. Uh, so I think if, if Gutherson considers it from a, a team sort of uh, perspective, I think he has to stay. Um, there's not mu- w- uh, much where else he could go. And um, as friends said, Joey Manu would be a, a huge coup for the Eels. I think they would easily go after him if, if Gutherson wants to go elsewhere. 
Well, that, that was going to be my question, which was going to be, if I was Brad Arthur in this situation, I'm probably looking at the fact that, like, yes, this is the captain of my team. Apparently, he's very well-liked. He's well-liked by even Parramatta's perhaps greatest living legend, who's Peter Sterling, as the captain of the club. So, he's, he's well-liked. He brings more to the table than just his football in that position. Uh, so, the comparison to AJ Brimson, like, while I think Brimson's the better fullback, I can sort of see why Gutho brings a bit more value as a team captain, as a, as a leader. So, you know, uh, I'd be happy enough with 700, maybe, you know, 750, considering that's his current deal. I'd be happy enough with that. Uh, but until he starts giving me premierships, until he starts consistently being a rep player, I can't consider much of an upgrade. Like, anything more than, like, 50k upgrade would just be absurd. Uh, we're talking about a, a 250k upgrade. But the problem that the Eels are in is they don't have any fullbacks knocking on the door in their club. Uh, there's no one putting any pressure on Gutho for that position whatsoever. So, I mean, maybe Dylan Brown could be a good fullback if you retrained him. I think he actually could really suit that role really well. But, you know, that's a risk. Um, the only fullback potentially on the market isn't even a regular fullback. It's Joey Manu, and I agree that he would do a great job, but that's a risk as well. Um, and you might not even get him. So... Do we have to bite the bullet and accept that Gutho is the way forward and he might be a bit more expensive than we want him to be because we're a club that hasn't been that successful? I mean, yes, we're constantly getting into the top eight, but we're not doing anything once we get there. So, uh, I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd be very torn if I was Brad Arthur. And this is, a, this is quite a tricky situation. I suppose it segues quite well into our next discussion, which is basically... The Eels are looking like they're in a bit of a spot at the moment. Kieran's alerted this, us to this uh, uh, for a couple of weeks now that they they don't look like they're going to make the top four anymore. They look like they're probably going to be... like When they play against the Storm recently, or the Panthers, or the Roosters, they've looked well and truly out of their depth. So this is a club that's probably going to come sixth. They come up against uh, an informed Titans or a Knights or something like that. They might be out in the first week of the finals. That would be a fail for them this year. They've got no Reed Marnie for an extended period at least, who is uh, a linchpin in that team. And they also have, according to Fox Sports, a $4.2 million worth of talent coming off contract, including the likes of Gutherson himself, Dylan Brown, Ryan Madison, Reed Marnie, Isaiah Papali'i, Junior Paulo, and Marata Niakore, who probably is versatile enough that he could be the fullback. Um, so, <laughs> I guess, I guess the... Kieran, you, you brought this to our attention. You've been saying that the Eels are shot ducks for a while. Um, do you think it's... The, the killer blow is Marnie, or do you think it's actually a bit of a bit of a situation they've created for themselves well before that? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, despite what I said last week, though, I, I actually gave the Eels a glimmer of hope if their uh, spine was fully fit um, for finals football. And, and just touching back on our, our last conversation, I, I think that Manu could be the a huge missing piece. He uh, he always lifts in finals football, and he the Eels have shown that they can consistently get to finals football. I think that would be massive for them, but. Anyway, with Mahini, Mahini now gone, I don't think they're anywhere near as big a threat. He uh, he showed against us, particularly uh, in the early rounds, while the Eels 
themselves as a whole were on fire in the first, uh, I don't know, six, seven weeks of the competition. But he has the ability to steer that team now along with uh, Gutherson and Moses. Um, they all work together so well with their energy and intensity that was um, so easily seen in the early rounds of the season. And their forward pack was so damaging. I just think Marnie is too big a piece of the puzzle for, for Parramatta and they are gone for this season. Um and yeah, some of their players are on overs. Uh, and I think if you look at the, the Roosters in particular, they've been very astute with offering one or two deals to players and not paying overs, which has held them in great stead financially. I know it's not easy for every club to to follow this model um, and try and replicate it, but the Roosters will, because because the Roosters will always have that attraction of being a huge club with a professional winning culture that the Eels don't quite have on the same level. But looking at that list, that's seven players, um, 4.2 million tied down on seven players that I, I would not, I, I don't know how you can make an argument that it's worth being tied down on those seven players. Um, yeah, they, they haven't earned it. Uh, the only thing I would say is that the, their pay packets aren't too high that when you go to renegotiate with them, it wouldn't be too hard to have a small downgrade for some of them. So it's it's not the end of the road for the Eels. I think that their premiership window is still open, uh, but they need to have some serious conversations with some of these players. It's probably worth mentioning at this point that this projection from Fox Sports uh is not based on their current salaries. It's based on projected salaries when it comes to re-signing them. And it's obviously um, incor- it's obviously incorrect because Gutherson, they got listed at 750K. Now, that's based on his approximate current value. Um, that's not counting what he's been coming into the media saying that he wants a million dollars. Oh, he hasn't directly said that himself, but, y- you know, these if there's smoke, there's fire, right? So, uh, so for in the example of Isaiah Papali'i, they got him dirt cheap from the Warriors. The Warriors didn't want him. He's revolutionised his entire game uh, at the Eels and now arguably is worth probably four times as much as what he's getting paid presently. So when it comes time to re-sign him, he could be looking at 600k a year. Um, and you know what? A team like the Tigers would pay it. So the Eels have got to stave off offers from teams like that. Now, Miles, you are a as I've said before, uh, a connoisseur of the fine arts of, of roster management. Uh, and I know you're a bit of a fan of it. Um, looking at that list that Kieran's included in the, in the, uh, in the run sheet, obviously it would be very difficult to keep all those players and for the approximate values that they've got listed there. Who, who are you targeting to, to keep, to build that roster around and who are you pretty comfortable to let go? Um, I mean, it's a it's a tough call. Um, I'd I'd really need to to crunch the numbers, and I I, I haven't done that with this group. Um, but I, I'd be looking at ages and what they're currently earning. Um, so, for example, someone like Dylan Brown on five hundred thousand dollars a season, he hasn't proved a whole lot. Um, I think he would be looking for an upgrade, maybe a modest one at that. But I, th- I say you back him and and probably sign him to something like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a season and let him go at it. Because if he if he does improve as he's projected to, then that's going to look really cheap and um, probably give him a bit of flexibility going forward. Um, obviously, Reed Marty, it's going to be re-signed and it's probably going to be a pretty big number. I think you just go ahead and eat that. He's he's the heartbeat of your team outside Clint Gutherson, in my opinion. It's annoying and frustrating is for me an opposition <laughs> fan um that's exactly what you want um papali um i, I don't you know you, you sort of found him on the scrap heap and i think if you're confident enough in your um in your your scouting you can find another like him on the scrap heap somewhere especially in a, um, a pretty ordinary team like the warriors who, who really seem to struggle with forward development um 
Paulo as well. He, he's a little bit older. I don't think you bother upgrading him. I, 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 I would rarely upgrade a prop as it is. Um, same as, as near core. I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to let a lot of these guys walk and, and really nail on the important ones where you can sort of, you know, find a, a player here or there who can, you know, with more playing time, give you a little bit more than they have in previous seasons like like Papali has done this year. And and as for the question that I didn't ask you about whether they are on the scrap heap for, for this season, do you hold much hope for the Eels now that Reid Marnie is injured? You mentioned he is the heartbeat of the side. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big one to overcome. You, you usually see the teams that are healthiest performing best in finals as opposed to just a really hot regular season or anything. But um, I, I think they can still do it. I mean, they, they have improved this year, albeit ever so slightly. Uh, they got probably the strongest roster they've had since, um, in, goodness, maybe since 2001. Um, so I, I think that they'd, they'd be really chomping at the bit to get to finals and just prove themselves. But it's certainly going to be hard with Marnie uh, injured, as we've as we've spoken about. Now, Friendy, you've been ab- absorbing the uh, the arguments of of both gentlemen thus far. Do you agree that the Premiership success seems like a like a bit of a, a pipe dream at this stage for the Eels and 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 moving forward from that group of players we're talking about. Are you taking a similar strategy to Miles, where you're pretty happy to let some of those uh, maybe tier two forwards go and, and try and redevelop others? Yeah, certainly. I look at some of those numbers there, and Murata Niakore. I, I don't know how that they're not even starting him each week. So why would you pay him $550,000 if you chop that in half and play one of your young guys who potentially can play centre, um, then you can upgrade a Gutherson to a Manu with that extra coin there. So they, they really do have to do some cap management. The thing I see with the Eels is um, I see a decent coach, a decent roster, and they get decent results every year. There's nothing outstanding. There's nothing poor. They're going to comfortably play finals every year. But I don't think they're going to win the competition any year. Um, it's a superstar league at the moment, and they don't have a superstar, so they they need to yeah sign someone big. To, uh, I really think Manu is that guy. Another thing they potentially could do is go out on a limb, and I think you'd get him pretty cheap. Is you could have a dip at uh, young Xavier Savage from Canberra. Um, potentially, he's someone with a look to the future um, that I think has the potential to be a superstar, and you could get him pretty cheap. So how they go about it, I'm not sure, but. While they have this roster, I think they're just going to keep getting decent results. In order to make it an attractive move for a guy like Savage, keeping in mind that Savage is a is a young Queenslander, so you don't have the attraction of Parramatta being closer to home or, or whatever. It's much of a muchness compared to Canberra. So mm. um, to attract him, you'd have to offer him more opportunity, I would have thought. Yep. At, at the moment, the Raiders, he's stuck behind... Uh, Chansey at the Eels he'd be stuck behind Gutho I, I, would you be willing as a, as a cap manager to to take that punt and say look mate if you sign the dotted line for 300k a year or 400 or like maybe not 500 but maybe uh, would you then would you punt Gutho on, on those grounds well you could move Gutho to different positions. I'm not sure if you would do it when he's on that much coin. So it's something you've got to weigh up. Do, do you think you can win a competition with Clint Gutherson at fullback or do you not? And at this stage, I don't think they can because I don't think he has 
as I said, he's got the energy. He's he's like a fantastic club week in week out player. He's durable, but he doesn't have that X factor. And you look at all the good sides at the moment, and they've all got that X factor. And generally, most of them are in the number one. Gutho just doesn't have that. So yeah, it, it's something you got to weigh up. Yeah, I think I think you're bang on the money there. Um, my my take on that is I, I would be doing the same thing that you guys are. I'd be looking at some of the asked like the figures that Fox Sports are projecting are probably inaccurate to some extent. But if I've got the choice of Papali'i on six hundred, this is Isaiah Papali'i on six hundred k near Kore at five fifty, or Ryan Madison at five fifty. Well, you're not going to keep all three. Um, Madison is probably the most tried and true proven performer over a long period of time. Papali'i and Niakore maybe have the highest ceiling. You need to make a decision about what sort of club you're going to have. Do you want results right now or do you want to build towards results in three years' time? And if you are going to be that club, then you've got to back Mitchell Moses in as your halfback and you've got to say, sorry, Gutho, this is Mitchell's team now. Uh, we're going to go for a Xavier Savage or someone that we think, like the Knights did all those years ago with Kalen Ponga, they threw a lot of money at Kalen Ponga on two first grade games that he had played at the Cowboys at the time. And that turned out pretty well for the Knights. They haven't won a premiership yet, but he is that X-Factor yeah. player that could do it. Um, is Xavier Savage the same move for the Eels? That's uh, that's not a bad shout. And I reckon you would get him cheaper than Kalen Ponga just quietly. Um, mm. but on the back of Ponga, we signed... Sorry, but yeah, on the back of Ponga, we signed Clemmer, Pierce, Frizzell, um, Jaden Braley. So you need that circuit breaker there somewhere. Um, yeah, I'm not sure who that is, but whether it's Manu or Savage or how they want to do that, I think they need to take a punt if they want to win the comp. And there are precious few superstars out there. So, uh, yeah, there has been some murmurings about Joey Manu wanting to play fullback, wanting that fullback money. He's a world-class centre. There, and we've seen him at fullback. He's done a very fine job there as well. Um, I actually voted him in my top 10 of the fullbacks, just purely on what I'd seen of him at fullback. So uh, I, I think that's a, a good call. Let's, um, let's move forward to uh, a listener question that we got from our loyal listener, Lawrence Leggy. Lawrence, I had to ask Friendy how to pronounce your last name because I wasn't exactly sure, but Leggy we've gone with. Uh, he said like Warney, so that's, uh, that's where I'm going with that. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence, you asked us, who is the next coach to get the sack? And as a, a kind of double-pronged question, you said, and where or when is Shane Flanagan going to land for his next head coaching gig? That's assuming, of course, that he will get one. I think you're probably right about that. He's a premiership-winning coach. Um, and I think these these questions are probably kind of linked because... If uh, a position opens up and it's a relatively attractive option for Flanagan, maybe it's based in New South Wales, say, uh, that could well be the same club. So, uh, for the time being, let's start with who is the next coach to get the sack? Friendy, uh, Lawrence is your mate. Uh, what's uh, Who is the next coach to get the sack, do you reckon? I think it'll be sort of the same thought throughout the group. I think Michael Maguire is under the most pressure and um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of finishes up after this year, unfortunately, for Madge. I don't think it's his fault, but as the Tigers have shown over and over, uh, it seems easier to sack a coach than it does 30 players. So I think he's under the most most pressure. Miles, you have your finger probably the most on the Tigers' pulse out of the, out of the lot of us because you have a few mates who are avid Tigers fans. 
Is is Madge the the first to go? Is he just simply not aggressive enough? <laughs> well, um, I, I haven't been watching the, the the Tiger Town documentary, so I can't answer that. But um, look, obviously, he's under a lot of pressure to, to hang on to his job. Um, but the way I look at it, given that he's under contract for the next two seasons, so twenty two and twenty three. Um, and there is no real bellwether signings, I don't think, likely to arrive for the Tigers next year. I mean, Jackson Hastings, yes, that's that's a good one. But I, I honestly don't see any real hurried need to fire him. Um, personally, I think next season should be his, his big test. I know he hasn't really passed it this year, but he, he has really waded through the crap that was laid down by Ivan Cleary. And, and he's, he's probably emerged with the spine that the Tigers will want to sort of spin with moving forward. So I, I think he... I think you need to give him next year to really, you know, have a proper preseason you know, training camp, all that, roll into next year as fit as he possibly can, and, and see what he can get out of this club. And then, if if he doesn't really do anything next year, well, you, you fire him as he goes into, goes into the last year of his deal, and you find another coach. Um, maybe the coaching market looks a bit better then as well. So, there is that. Um, the the answer that I would offer up is potentially under a, maybe even a bit more pressure is is Brad Arthur who. Now he is going into the last year of his contract next year, which is um, it's I think it's generally accepted in the industry that um, it, no no head coach really wants to go into the last year of their contract. Um, mm-hmm. And with the investment that that Parramatta has made in this roster, which we've spoken about um, already this episode, you'd have to imagine that anything less than a, I think a preliminary final this season would be probably not acceptable um, to the team, uh, especially. And, and this is the big ticket, especially with a coach like Wayne Bennett departing South Sydney at the end of next year. We know he likes the, the, the legacy clubs as opposed to the, the joint ventures and the new the new shiny things a little bit more. So he might potentially look at Parramatta as an option if he, he is interested in going around in Sydney. So, you know, I think Arthur, if he doesn't reach that plateau at least this season, you'd need to be having a long, long hard look at him, especially with all the uh, players coming off contract, as Kieran mentioned. That's um that's such a Miles answer. Like the the left fieldness of picking someone that's sitting at fourth or fifth at the moment is just fantastic. It actually makes <laughs> it actually makes a lot of sense when you break it down like that. And I just want to uh, use a Nathan Brownism just for a, a small moment. Wayne Bennett thinking like I think I know him. Can you imagine how excited his little head would get at being the coach to end that drought at the Eels? Like he would just like <laughs> like what sort of what that would do for his legacy. Uh, among other things, his loins even he'd he'd be so excited. Um, but enough about an old man's loins, Kieran. Who <laughs> do you um? Well, do you agree with either Friendy or or Miles on that one, or do you have a different candidate? Uh, I actually did have Brad Arthur initially, uh, and then I landed on Madge. I considered O'Brien as well, but he was only brought in in twenty twenty. I'd I'd like to give him a bit more of a chance, but the. The thing with the Eels and Brad Arthur is uh, if he was to go, um, other than Wayne Bennett, if they don't get Wayne Bennett, I don't know what they do. Uh, obviously, they can't just accept mediocrity, but I don't know how much else or what else they could really do. So I landed on Madge. Um, it is a bit hard for Tigers fans, as Chris and most of us have said, just season after season saying, oh, we give this guy a little bit longer, but the results aren't coming. Uh, maybe it's not his fault, but they've played a, a lot of merry-go-round with their halves and the um, their hooker, uh, so most of their spine this season, which is not a great sign of um, recruitment. I know a bit of that would have been down to injury, but not all of it. Um, for me, I don't see too many signs that they're moving forward as a club. Uh, as Chris has said plenty of times as well in the group chat the last three years, I, w- I have to land on uh, Madge. 
All right, interesting one. So I'm going to loop back to the front because, uh, friend of you, you nominated Madge straight away there. Uh, do you think that Shane Flanagan would be a good fit for the, for the Tigers or, or can you see him landing somewhere else? No, I, th- I think he's certainly next cab off the rank regardless of where the job comes up. He's a premiership winning coach. I, I understand there's sort of um, a few things that maybe are a little bit untoward when he was coaching at the Sharks, but you can't question his effort. I mean, the guy was in there. He, he tiled their gym by himself. Um <laughs> before they even had it. So you can't question his commitment to a head coaching role and um, I think he'd I think he'd fit at the Tigers, but does he want to take that job? I'm not sure. Yeah, I was, was going to say, are there enough green shoots there at the Tigers to... Because uh, it, it could well be Flano's last roll of the dice here, um, given his history. I mean, obviously, yes, he's... I didn't know that story about the gym and like literally at my parents' house at the moment downstairs, they've got some tiling going on in the bathroom and it's taking forever. So I'm imagining, <laughs> I'm imagining the gym would have been insane amount of time or maybe a really bad job. Well, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but long story short, uh, would, would there be enough green shoots there for Flano to, to roll the dice at the Tigers? Do you think Friendy? Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm wondering. I, I'm not too sure. To be honest, I, I think he'd want to look for a new number seven. I think Luke Brooks has gone a bit stale there at the moment. Um, apart from that, th- there's a few things there. I, I don't mind a few of the guys in their forward pack. Utokamano. Um, I do like Luciano Leilua. Uh, Adam Dewey, I'm a fan of. Dane Laurie. Th- there is enough there, but um, yeah, I'm not sure whether he wants the job right now because the success would probably still be two or three years away. Yeah, interesting point, I think. One thing I do like about that idea, um, actually, Kieran, I'll get you to jump in here as well, is mm-hmm. that uh, you, you nominated the Tigers. Uh, if Flanagan was to take the job at the Tigers, it would be a tough road for sure, but he is a known fan of Chad Townsend. So maybe what could happen is he could remove Townsend from the Cowboys uh, and, and play him at the Tigers. I'm starting to like this idea a lot, Kieran. I, I would love that. I can see, and this is no no Cowboys bias at all. That would be great for the Tigers, I think. Um, but uh, talking just before about the Eels, I said Wayne Bennett might be the only choice. I, I forgot about Shane Flanagan, and he's in the question. I I, I don't know. I I would I would be willing to take a punt on Shane Shane Flanagan at the Eels. Uh, as we know, I'm a, a bit of a stats man, and and Miles posted this in our chat one day that. Um, Shane Vladigan actually brought six players with prior grand final experience to the club during his tenure. Um, and they continually made the finals under him. Uh, their toughness and character they showed, that was bereft under Ricky Stewart. I think uh, the Eels would, would not be crazy to go after him at all. Miles, do you agree? Uh, with what exactly? With, with you mentioned that Brad Arthur would be the the most under pressure. So say say for example they don't make the prelims this year. The Eels aren't setting the world on fire next year. Uh, Flanagan's available. He's a Premiership winning coach. Is 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 that somewhere that you could see Flanagan landing? I certainly could. Um, don't get me wrong. Wayne Bennett would absolutely be my first call, and he would have first dibs and you know, however however many of the um, you know houses that he wants in Parramatta but um, <laughs> no look I, I think that would also Bennett's availability quite in the market for Flanagan a little bit um, but let's just say he's not available um, of course I'd look at, at Flanagan um, you know I, I, he's, he's obviously a premiership winner as we've said um, 
But I, look, interestingly enough, just to present a, maybe a little bit of a different perspective on on this, um, it, it, it has been reported that um, Flanagan has started to um, become a, a little bit of a, a pain in the ass with, the, with his his son. Um, now he was obviously he was head coach at the Sharks, and then he was uh, I'm not sure what capacity was at the Roosters in, but he he was in some sort of assistant role there and. Now he's at the Dragons, but he was also consulting with the Bulldogs, and they've all um, had Kyle come through their ranks. So I think there are some whispers around the industry that maybe he um, his his son's career is a bit more important to his own right now. So whether you want to bring that bad juju into your club, um, especially with uh, with questions over over Mitchell Moses and and whether or not he is a um, a performer that you want at halfback, I don't know, but. There'll certainly be a market for Flanagan at the end of this year, I think, and, and maybe the Eels will be the one to take the swing. Very interesting. For what it's worth, I, I do agree uh, with two of you that that Madge is the, the most obvious choice, um, given that you know the other coaches at the bottom of the ladder um, are all first-term coaches. You know, Kevin Walters, Trent Barrett, Todd Payton, uh, Nathan Brown, they're, they're all just starting there, they're, they're going to get a little bit of a grace period. Uh, Madge uh, might not be entitled to the same grace period. And and while, Miles, you, meant, you mentioned that some patience could be a virtue here, um, if there aren't enough, uh, they use the term a lot now, the green shoots, if there aren't enough of those to entice the board members, then what's going to promote that patience? So, I, I think... I think Madge is the most obvious one. I think Arthur's a really good shout, though. Um, a really, really good shout. And Flanagan, yeah, he'll walk into a job at either one of those two. Uh, I just, I'm less sure that he would take the Tigers, but if Miles is on the money when it comes to his son's career being maybe more important than his own, the Tigers could be the best fit there because, you know, it'll be easier to displace Brooks than it will be to displace Moses at the Eels. But uh, time will tell. Thanks very much for the question, Lawrence. And if anyone else has any questions, uh, feel free to contact us on Above the Horizontal on Facebook, Twitter, um, above the horizontal nrl at gmail.com uh we've all got different ways of contacting us so feel free if you know any of us personally like lawrence did <laughs> go that way as well um and thanks for your thoughts guys it was really good uh let's take a short little break uh we've got a new ad for pretty fly a 90s nostalgia podcast i'm very excited about the new ad i, I have some new 90s in there which is nice um and then at half time we're going to talk about the very well i think it's very sad news that peter sterling has decided to hang up the microphone after 27 years of broadcasting back soon if you like denim overalls a bowl haircut with a part down the middle Game Boys and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should listen to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast from the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast about the best movies, music, and TV shows of that great decade. Season 2 is currently underway, featuring The Big Lebowski, Frasier, Rugrats and Green Day, among others. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your favourite pods. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by Miles Stedman, Daniel Friend and Kieran Gibson. And we are all on deck to discuss what I think is devastating. Not devastating, that's a ridiculous thing to say. But a really, really sad piece of news uh, that... 
Peter Sterling has decided to hang up the microphone after 27 years of broadcasting, uh, the, the vast majority of which has been purely with Channel 9. He did have a, a couple of years with his own show on Fox Sports um, about six, seven years ago, if memory serves. And I like that show a lot. But Peter Sterling is undoubtedly one of the, one of the great halfbacks, um, particularly of the 80s. He's one of those sort of guys that he kind of lands in those immortal conversations, but I feel like he's just like a tier below the, the likes of Lewis and Meninga that end up getting that, or Johns that end up getting that role, um, which is not a slight on Sterling. He's obviously a great of the game. And he probably, in my opinion, an even greater commentator. And uh, Kieran, you put it on the on the run sheet. We wanted to talk about some of our memories and, and particularly how Sterling will be remembered. Uh Suffice to say, with 27 years of broadcasting as a bald man, he might not be remembered for his luscious blonde locks that he played with. But, uh, <laughs> but Kieran, uh, you you sort of took an interest in the sport. Uh, was it 15, 20 years ago or so? Yeah. Um, and by then, he was a, a well-established commentator. Um, how would you remember Peter Sterling? Yeah, look, I, I listened, started listening about 16 years ago, or watching uh, is the word, about 16 years ago, and he quickly became my favorite commentator. Um, I think the best compliment I can give him, uh, if you wanted a new fan to learn the game, um, he's the best neutral commentator to learn from, to learn the ins and outs of the game. He, he has pretty much zero bias. Um, and I think my favorite call from him ever was in that Cowboys grand final uh, at the full-time siren when Thurston and Scott were hugging and the whole Cowboys team was rejoicing. He was just saying... Um, that's probably the greatest grand final I've ever seen, and I'm so glad I was here to see it. And not to to put down the other commentators, but I didn't quite hear the same tone from the others. You could just sense the pure elation that even Sterling as an Eels fan and his team obviously have had a bit of heartache the last couple of decades. Um, he was just so happy for us, and, and he, that's classic Peter Sterling. Um, he's, he's always uh, – he's a rugby league fan, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, he's he's not just pro eels. He he loves the game and uh, yeah, what a what a great he was as a commentator. I'm going to miss him dearly. Friendy, uh, his his insights were almost second to none. There there are a couple of analysts that are really really strong at it, but a lot of them seem to carry some really negative. Vibes like, for example, Phil Gould, great analyst of the game, really knows his stuff. A lot of people hate Phil Gould, and it's because of that perceived bias that Kieran might be talking about there. But I, I never hear anyone talk bad about Peter Sterling. No, the one thing I think of with Sterlow is is measured. He's always measured in his assessment of players, coaches, uh, teams, whatever it may be. He always takes that yeah, very unbiased, as Kieran was saying, uh, measured approach to. His assessment of all that, and and I think he sums up his words really well. And generally, his assessments just absolutely spot on. So, yeah, he's a massive loss to not only Channel Nine but the game as a whole. Um, yeah, he's he was fantastic, Sterlo. And Miles, uh, I know that you love tactics and and you love the thinking side of rugby league, which is maybe uh, what makes us unpopular with certain uh, demographics of the sporting <laughs> fanhood. <laughs> 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 but um, but Sterlo was was the commentator for a person that that enjoyed the uh, the technical side of the game. Yeah, he he really was. Um, and, and what I think I'm going to miss most about Sterlo is that he he I think what you see a lot in sports broadcasting these days is uh, 
this sort of innate need to insert yourself as as like either a side dish or or like even sometimes even a main course is of the programming um and i'm not, not going to name names because there are you know some people i respect who I, I believe do that um but sterlo just he, he never he, he always wanted to champion the game and, and talk about the game and, and just and have that as the centerpiece and and have himself as as more of a presenter or you know the person showcasing it um and we saw that with Ster- the the sterlo series which i really loved um my favorite episode was the probably the ian roberts one i, I think what he got out of ian was really good but yeah, Sterlo was like this. He, he was like this cheerleader for the game, um, and, and everyone these days wants to be the cheerleader, um, the, the you know the the main sort of you know the, everyone wants to be developing their brand and they've got this presence and you know making jokes or whatever it is that is sort of inserting themselves as the the entertainment factor. And, and Sterlo was just the one you know calling it as it is from the sideline, um, giving really astute analysis and, and just generally letting the game be the hero. So I, I think we're really going to miss guys like him as, as the the way that sports is is delivered by um, by the networks. One thing I have to say on that is that my favourite uh, shows to watch regarding rugby league are the ones where they actually, like, occasionally just dive into the, the tactics of it. Like, I'm not an Anthony Seabold fan, but I like the game plan because at least it's a coach talking about tactics and what a coach is seeing, and that's interesting to me. Um, Sterlo, he has this show on Channel 9's YouTube channel or on 9 Now called uh, The uh, the Rap with Sterlo or something like that, Sterlo's Rap or something like that. It's just basically him reviewing the, the round that was for 20 minutes with one of the most annoying people I've ever met. And oh, I've never met him. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he, sometimes Sterlo will sit there and say, now nah, look, I don't want to get too technical. And I'm like, no, Sterlo, get more technical. Like you have this brain, like, please, please give us that technical side. Like, and unfortunately, a, a lot of fans probably don't enjoy that as much as I do. And he's obviously catering to as many as he can, but he, he was a really good sport. Um, and do you, Miles and Kieran, you you were a little bit uh, later to the to the country even than say Friendy and I who were born here. Uh, do you, you guys remember on the Footy Show they used to have something called anti ads? Miles, do you remember that at all? I, I never watched the Footy Show. I did. Did Peter Sterling once um, send up Fui Fui Moimoi? Am I thinking of that correctly? I don't know if it was him. Shane Shackleton. Oh gosh, the, I knew there was some Eels connection there, but no, I do not remember, unfortunately. <laughs> well, it sounds like Friendy does really, really well. Um, now the anti ads were very, very hit and miss. But when we were young kids, Friendy, I, I imagine you're a bit like me. Like you would just sort of wait up on a Thursday night. You'd get past ER. You'd get past RPA. And you'd get to the footy show at 9.30 on a Thursday night. And, uh, you know, there would obviously be hijinks and Mario Fennec having stuff poured on him and all that sort of stuff because that was quite mean, frankly. Um, but Sterlo had that great analysis, but he also was a pretty funny dude. Yeah, Sterlo was outstanding. Uh, I think of, like, the chilies when they ate those on the footy show. Um, as you said, the anti-ads, they were fantastic. Daredevil dudes. Um, he was a great sports Sterlow and yeah, do yourself a favor for listeners at home, go on YouTube and just type in best of the footy show. It goes, <laughs> it's about four different, um, parts and they're about 15 minutes each. Absolutely hilarious. And Sterlow is a big part in all of them. Friendly yeah. was, um, was, was Sterlow the one who, um, uh, this is just the bits and pieces of the free show I've seen 
who I think they were interviewing. Oh, well, it'd have to be Jack Newton, obviously. Um, probably the only one. No, Mario again. That was Mario. The, yeah, the cup and yeah. saucer. Yeah, the That's cup it. and saucer. Yeah. yeah. And Jack's only got one arm, so. Exactly. <laughs> How's he going to take the, yeah, the cup off the saucer? Yeah. No, that was yeah. Mario. But yeah, Sturlow would have been there laughing his head off at that too, yeah. He probably orchestrated it like he orchestrated four premierships for the Eels as a player. And he um, has that for a segue, guys, just quietly. Yeah, um, Sturlow, it sounds like we all love you. So uh, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you are. You're a fan of the show. Um, send, you, send through your resume, Sturlow, if you will. Uh, we'd happily look it over uh, if you if you want to be part of the show. Um, we do have a very strict policy as to who we let on the show, as some of my friends have found out. But um, we'd, we'd love to have a conversation if it ever came to that, Sturlow. But congratulations on a, on a great career to one of the greats of not just rugby league playing, but rugby league commentary as well. Uh, on the other side of a, a short little musical interlude, we're going to jump into round 22 for some predictions from the panel. Back soon. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Uh, we've, we're all a little bit teary. That's Miles Stedman, Daniel Friend, and Kieran Gibson waving a, a farewell to our good friend, Peter Sterling. Friend is probably a strong word, but that's okay. Uh, let's talk about round 22 of the NRL, which is starting up this Thursday evening. The good news is in Southeast Queensland that the 11 LGAs that were in lockdown are now out of lockdown. It means that there will be some crowds allowed back into these games, which is which is fantastic for the fans. So hopefully uh, COVID plays nice for a while and we get to go out and see some football. Starting on Thursday night, uh, between the Storm and the Raiders at Sunshine Coast Stadium. Now, Miles, there's... um. There might be a, a little bit of intrigue here. The Raiders are, are finding a little bit of form, but the Storm have won 17 in a row. So, uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, it's it's. Um, there's not a lot of uh, inertia either in the teams. Um, well, actually, Storm gets stronger, believe it or not. Paul <laughs> yeah. coming back. Um, Nelson Asafa Solomona coming back. Um, Pappenhausen expected to be fine. Uh, he he copped a knock to the knee um, as many noticed last week but uh he, he should be fine uh on the raiders they're pretty well unchanged too bailey simonson back um uh for semi valame who's who's dropping out but i think that's pretty like for like uh cs solly will also back on the bench um but look it, let's not spend too much time on this one i, I think the storm are going to win and win easily um the only way i can see the raiders challenging them here is uh in fact i can't i, I think the storm will win by many points here. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to tip against them for their 18th win in a row, isn't it, Friendy? Yeah, it certainly is. I think they'll bring that up comfortably this weekend and it'll start the end of the, the Raiders' season from here on in. And Kieran, do you agree? Yeah, look, that was kind of what Friend touched on, the reason I thought maybe the Raiders will mount a case, the fact that their uh, finals ambitions are on the line, but I just can't, can't look past the storm. Speaking of... Uh, other potential mismatches here, but finals are on the line for one of the teams. It is the Dragons against the Panthers at 6pm from Suncorp Stadium. Uh, this will be a double header at Suncorp Stadium with the Broncos playing later that night. Kieran, um, they're keeping Jack Bird at fullback. That should at least keep Friendy happy. 
Uh, yes, yeah, for sure. He's a, a big fan, big fan of the pod as well, Jack Bird. Um, yeah, look, I, I think the Dragons have kind of laid down the last few weeks, uh, especially, well, not so much last week. They did put up a bit of a fight against the Raiders, but they had way too many errors. Um, I don't know what they finished with their count was, but uh, it was pretty poor football from the Dragons. They actually did create uh, enough chances, I thought, still to, to win the game, but that won't be the case against this Panther side. Um, I will actually go through a bit of the, the team list I haven't done yet. Uh, the Dragons have all their players back from their uh, COVID ban now. So Beal comes into the centres in place of Cody Ramsey, uh, who actually requires dental surgery. Um, actually, oh, wow. yeah, he was bleeding bleeding in the first few minutes of that game against the Raiders, I just realised or remembered. Mm. Um, mm. And then... Uh, from a collision with Andrew McCulloch. Uh, Tarek Sims will miss the match after he was charged with a careless high tackle. Um, Tyrell Fui Mayano uh, returns from a one-game suspension, and Kurt rejoins the bench on his return that pushes Jaden Hunt to the reserves. Uh, Stephen Crichton returns from suspension in the centres, but Kurt Capel will miss the game after he was banned for one game for a dangerous throw. Uh, look, I actually won't go through the Panthers side too much. I think we know, uh, other than Cleary, who's been named as 21, uh, who they'll play pretty much, and it's a, a star-studded side. I can't look past the Panthers. And, and look, if I'm Ivan Cleary, again, I'm not risking Nathan Cleary here. I'm giving him as much time as he needs because Matt Burton hit a fair bit of form against mm. the Roosters. So I'm, I'm certainly backing in the Panthers as well. What say you, Friendy? Yeah, I'll certainly be to in the Panthers here. I, as much of a fan of Jack Bird as I am, I think uh, the experiment at fullback should probably end soon. I'd much prefer to see him in the six or in the back row or or something like that, even just back in the centres for the moment. But yeah, I'll be tipping Penrith. And what about you, Miles? I also will be tipping Penrith. So it's all in agreement so far, and, and we'll see how we go uh, with the Broncos and the Roosters, who are playing... At the same ground, just a little bit later in that evening, the Broncos have have brought in the changes. Actually, there's a fair few. So Brody Croft, who just signed a two year deal with the Salford Devils, uh, is out, and that brings Albert Kelly in at halfback. Jesse Arthur's is out, and they've brought in the very promising Selwyn Cobbo into the centres. Um, they also got Xavier Coates is finally given another opportunity. He's back on the wing at the expense of Jermaine Asako. Thomas Flegler is also back. Um, that's a fair boost for the Broncos. Uh, Keenan Palacia has missed out. Now, the Roosters have a couple of big outs, actually, um, with Jared Wawir Hargreaves and Angus Crichton both unavailable. Just adding to that incredible list they have of people that are unavailable for their team. They've still fielded a very, very strong roster. Nat Butcher will start in the back row. Uh, Tupanua should end up back in the back row starting in the census last game. Um, Takeyahu starts. Uh, it's, it's still a very, very strong team. I'm going to go for the Roosters just because they're a better club. But I am a little bit worried about that forward pack they've got against the Broncos who are actually fielding probably about as good a forward pack as they can. Um, Kobe Hetherington particularly looks pretty good at lock. So I'm not saying with the same confidence as the previous two games, um, but I will be going for the Roosters here. What say you, Miles? Yeah, it's bizarre, actually. Um, the, the Broncos and Roosters... Obviously, the, the Roosters won last time. Uh, sorry, the Broncos won last time at the SCG. Um, and they were fielding like, like a very similar team. Selwyn Cobbo, Albert Kelly, guys that we haven't really seen in a few weeks now. Um <laughs> As were the, the the roosters who, 
I think they were missing Angus Crichton last time. So, yeah, it's interesting how injuries work out. But uh, I will be dipping the Roosters. I don't expect Lightning to strike twice. <laughs> yeah, Kieran, how about you? Are you a fan of Lightning striking twice? No, uh, <laughs> I have to, to echo exactly what you were saying. Um, the Roosters forward pack is, is not as strong as it has been, but... And I am not saying with this with great confidence, but the, the Roosters, they only went down by six to the Panthers. And then before that, they were on a bit of a run. I think I've still got to pick them. And what about you, Friendy? Well, I like lightning striking twice when I'm playing the lightning poker machines. But <laughs> I, I don't think it'll happen here. And I'll be tipping the Roosters to win and win well. Yes, in, indeed. Uh, let's let's back in the roosters and gamble responsibly, of course. Um, but, <laughs> Friendy, you do you. You're an adult. Um, you can tell us who you think is going to win at Seabus Super Stadium on Saturday afternoon. It's between the Rabbitohs, who are, as, as, as Kieran mentioned earlier in the pod, pretty red hot at the moment, particularly in attack, and the Titans, who have... They've been facing some easier opposition. Uh, they've forced their way into the top eight. They've got a lot to play for but this will be a big test for them. Yeah, it certainly will be. I, I do agree with that, um, with what Kieran was saying before. The Bunnies are looking really good at the moment. I think Wayne's got them primed for a big finals run, and I think whoever's in that that uh, left wing position, aren't you just blessed to play out there? You could, I think I could score a try out there at the moment. Um, and they're unchanged this week, the same 17. Also, the only change for the Titans is Tyron Peachy comes back in, which pushes Aaron Clark out of the 17. So um, I'll be tipping Souths here. I think it'll be a really high-scoring affair. I, I think they play with their food a bit and, and get a bit bored defensively. But, um, yeah, I, I think they'll win against the Titans. What do you make, like, while I've got you, I know that you're a fan of Aaron Clark. Um, I, I'm assuming you would prefer that he was playing instead of Mitch Rain, but that seems like a really defensively-minded decision from Justin Holbrook, while PT has obviously got the attacking flair. Uh, Mitch Rain versus Aaron Clark, a bit more of a defensive choice, do you think? Yeah, I think Mitch Rain's contact is, um, while it's not as sort of heavy or... Um, I think Aaron Clark's more chance of putting a shot on, but I think Aaron Clark's also more chance of missing tackles as well. Whereas, like you said, Rain's very consistent and he's potentially someone that could go 40 for 40 tackles and, and not miss anything. So it looks like he has gone yeah, defensively orientated to start and then Peach will come on and bring that spark later. Defence will be very, very important against the Rabbitohs, uh, but how do you stop that, as you mentioned, lethal left, left edge? I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs. Kieran, who do you like here? Yeah, just touching on the uh, the Titans team, they've got Bo Fermer starting. Um, I'm a bit of fan of, of a fan of his. I put him in the similar bracket to Connor Tracy. Um, <laughs> I, I can actually see Whoa. the. <laughs> I can see the Titans hanging with the Rabbitohs, possibly until about half time. But uh, I think the Rabbitohs will come home strong. Yeah, both Fermo really, really killed it against the Cowboys, actually. Something in the name, the first name particularly. Um, Miles, <laughs> who, do you, who do you like out of the Rabbitohs and the Titans? Yeah, it'd be good to see the Titans give them a run for their money, but I, I think the uh, the Rabbitohs should win, to be honest. Do the Titans get any points whatsoever for leaving Fogarty out of the team, despite him being fit? Ah, uh, they get big points from me. Big points, uh, big style points in particular. I, I really like that. Just to, to kind of harp on the um, the Olympics thing. Um, that's a, that's the thing, isn't it? Style points, gymnastics. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I assume that's like a skateboarding <laughs> thing. Maybe I don't know. Um, yes, true. 
<laughs> Speaking of, uh, of skating through the season, <laughs> we've got the Cowboys and the Tigers who are locked in a battle to be uh, the shittest club in the NRL, just def- uh, except, <laughs> except for the Bulldogs, of course. The Bulldogs are really struggling. So it's the Cowboys or the Tigers for the for the mantle, I think, after the Broncos rolled the Cowboys. Um, Miles, good luck with this one. This sounds fun. Yeah, and there's a, there's a ton of, uh, of changes as well here. Um, so Cowboys are going to be without Jason Tamalolo, um, Murray Terolagi, and, and Lachlan Burr, who... I think you'd probably all say a, 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 a three of their pretty consistent performance. Um, ben Condon moves up from the bench to, to take Tamalolo's place. Ben Hampton out on the wing to replace Talagi. And, and as we've pointed out, Jake Granville in the centres. Uh, and he'll partner with Dejan Arce, which is, uh, gosh, that, that is grim. Um, I know Arce's a good player, uh, or at least I hear that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting for sure. Um uh, Francis Molo start at prop with with Tom Gilbert. Uh, Ruben Cotter is going to be missing. Um, Hamasar Tibiofito uh, still missing. So there's a lot of outs there for the Cowboys. It's going to be an interesting uh, interesting game for them. Um, meanwhile, the Tigers pretty well unchanged. Um, in fact, they are unchanged. The only change they've made is, is James Roberts on the the 21 man bench uh, in place of Tom Amone. So. They're pretty um, pretty solid from last week. Uh, look, I hate I, I do hate tipping the Tigers, um, but I, I am going to have to tip them here. They um, they do have a bit more of an experienced team than the Cowboys, and, and the, the Cowboys really do look to be flagging down the the end of the season here. They got quite a uh, a young, uh, mostly inexperienced team, and they they look to really be running out of the, the gas to run out of season. So I am going to tip the Tigers, but it's at home for the Cowboys, and they're, they're generally a lot better there. So. Um, it, it should be interesting. <laughs> That's generous. Um, <laughs> I will, uh, I will uh, as a Cowboys fan, playing at home, I am also going to tip the Cowboys, but I, I am given some confidence by the fact that they have probably the greatest left side in the club's history uh, with Ben Condon, Jake Granville, and Ben Hampton playing there, Frendy. Um, so, do you share my enthusiasm for the Cowboys, Frendy? Unfortunately, I don't, Bo. Um, I'll be tipping the Tigers, but I just can't wait. What a mouth-watering matchup for the centres this week. Uh, Arcee, Talau, Granville, and Cheekham in the centres. I just I cannot wait to watch that. I think Dejan, yeah, I think Dejan Arce has something in him, but he's very young, and Talao's probably a bit the same. Uh, actually, I'd be curious to see if Granville does stay on the left because Dejan Arce, being a left-footed player, might actually move across to the left. But he's been named with Cole Felt, whatever, whatever. Uh, Kieran, do you have a read on this? Uh, do 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 we stand a chance? Frankly. Well, the, the whole factor that you guys have said is going to be, well, I think it'll, uh, it's the reason I'm tipping the Cowboys. Um, it is a big factor. We have played a lot better there. I do also like that we're blooding a lot of youngsters. Uh, I'm not tipping us with the greatest of confidence, but I'll, I'll stick with us. Uh, they do have two potential debutants on the bench with Jeremiah Nanai and Griffin Neem. A lot has been said about Griffin Neem. Apparently, he's a full-blown maniac. Like, he makes... Uh, Tommy Gilbert and Kane Evans look like, you know, Centrelink employees. So, um, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why that's where my brain went. I don't know. I, I just got the, the, had the disaster payout from like, from, the, from Centrelink. So, uh, <laughs> let's, let's move forward to, uh, Seagulls versus, 
<laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> I just lost some work, so I had to had to get some pay. Uh, so thanks, guys, as taxpayers, uh, for helping me out last week. Um, okay, <laughs> the the next game is the Sea Eagles and the Eels. It is from Sunshine Coast, and there's a couple of teams, Kieran, that are are really really gunning for the top four. One's in a lot better form than the other, but the motivation must be there for both. Yeah, absolutely. I actually watched Brett Arthur's press conference after they lost to the Rabbitohs, um, and he he still truly believes that the Eels can make it. I, I I differ a little bit there, but I think that you had the Seagulls, you were saying, in the top four, and I think they will finish in the top four. Um, so with that, I, I think they'll win this game. Um, but for the Seagulls, they've got Paseca. Uh, he suffered an ankle injury, and he looks to miss t- looks like missing two to three weeks with Sipley, who started in place of Paseca uh, in a late change ahead of the Melbourne uh, clash, has accepted a one-week ban for a crusher tackle. Uh, Josh Alloway starts at prop with Kurt DeLewis and Curtis Saarinen. Um, did he play last week? If he if he didn't, this is his first game back in a while. Uh, I think maybe he did though last week. Uh, that's good news. Um, hasn't been playing much football of late. Sean Cappy is still unavailable after leaving the bubble to return to Sydney for the birth of his first child. Um, and as we touched on earlier in the pod, the, the loss of Hooker Reed Marnie for the Eels for the rest of the season is huge. Um, they do get Joey Lusick, who has actually looked all right in the few games that he's played, mm. but he's not Marnie. Um, prop Oregon Kafusi is being rested, and back rower Isaiah Papali is stepping up to take his place. Um, yeah, look, I, I really liked the Sea Eagles against the Storm, the way that they shifted the Storm around, and not just shifted them around, but did it early in the set, and it immediately looked like it was paying dividends. I, I think they've really got a, a chance at this uh, premiership. Uh, I've got to tip them. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, just while we're on that, by the way, congratulations to Sean Kepi, uh, first kid. That's awesome. And congratulations to Makahesi Makatoa, who is listed to, name his, uh, to make his debut off the bench for the Eels. Look, if you're going to strike against the Sea Eagles, you'd want it to be when they're missing a couple of their front rowers, which is where... Tommy Turbo generates so much of that uh, impetus that he gets is, is from the, the foundation laid by those players. Now, they're, they're hurt a little bit there, but with no Reed Marnie and there's just the diabolical form that Eels have been in, it's, it's so hard to tip them. So, I'm also going to go for the Sea Eagles. Friendy, who do you like here? Yeah, I'm also... I'm, I'm always wary of tipping teams the week after they play Melbourne. Oh, I feel like teams get a bit beaten up and they put so much effort into that contest that um, they can come out a little bit flat but ultimately I think Manly's just in just much better form than Parramatta at the moment so I'll be I'll be tipping Manly well that bit of galaxy brain stuff there from you friendy I like it um, and it, look it may well bear fruit because <laughs> the eels have got some quality across their park miles uh, yeah do you do you think similarly to friendy that the eels might take on a fatigued seagulls or should the seagulls get the job done uh, they should but uh, you know with, with all the discussion that we've had about the eels uh, this evening, um, it should be remembered that they're a, they're a very good team, and so they'll be tough to beat. But I am to be the Seagulls. Uh, one thing I'm looking forward to is uh, Morton Daly Stadium at Redcliffe finally getting to have some crowds at one of their games. Um, so the Warriors and the Bulldogs are playing there at 1:50 on Sunday afternoon. The Warriors just continuing to, to absolutely bleed players here for various reasons. Uh, Lodge. Uh, has entered a guilty plea for his uh, high tackle charge, so he's he'll miss a couple of weeks. Kane Evans, uh, a one match ban for uh, just checking my notes here, a brain explosion. Yeah, uh, 
Uh, so he's he's going to miss out for a little while. Uh, they also are dropping Valia um, with Pompey likely to return in the centres, which is which is a plus for them. It puts a little bit of pressure on their front row rotation with with Lodge and uh, and Kane Evans not being available. I think it was I think it was Chris in our group chat that said, "Look, they're not going to win any decent bloke awards, but the front row rotation of." Lodge for Newell Blake Evans is actually a pretty good one. <laughs> like, and on the back of beating the Tigers and beating the Sharks with a couple of dog shit teams that they had to field, uh, just from players they found in their fucking squad, they they've done that on the back of their front rowers. So without Lodge and Evans, in comes Jackson Fry for his debut. Uh, Jermaine Tanua Brown comes back from his. Uh, little dalliance with the dragons so he's back on the bench as well to replace evans <sighs> for the bulldogs my goodness uh will hopawati has a <laughs> um will will hopawati has officially uh decided he is going to go to the super league like friendy flagged a few weeks ago so good call there friendy well done nostril um and they've got ryan james in the front row uh that's um, that's a, a new in for them. Um, he's come across from the Raiders, of course. Uh, there's a whole bunch of players in and out of this, but a, a lot of them are in the, in the reserves. I've got to say, they've also got Corey Horsburgh coming in, by the way, also from the Raiders. That's um, that's not the, the worst get for the, for the Bulldogs, actually. I don't mind a bit of Corey Horsburgh. He's a North Queensland boy. He's a redhead. He's, uh, uh, suffice to say, the redhead might go all right in Redcliffe, but I think the Warriors will get this job done. Miles, what do you say? Yeah, I, I agree. I um, I think the Bulldogs have been probably a little bit more oppressive at times um, than the Warriors and, and than, the, than a last-place team, but I, I don't know. I just like the, the cut of this Warriors team's jib. Yeah, we've mentioned that a couple of the, the moxie, the jib, you know, and and a couple of decent, good, close wins for the Warriors has uh, has made them an attractive attractive option. Uh, Kieran, do you also like the Warriors in this game? Yeah, look, I, I haven't been watching too much of league with the Olympics on, um, other than the the better games or the the bigger teams. Uh, all due respect to the Warriors and the Bulldogs, but I quite like <laughs> Nikarima off the bench. Um, I think uh, I think that's his position, to be honest. Um, I really like what he does when he comes on with uh, tiring forwards. I'm going to tip the Warriors. Yeah, when they get Wade Egan back, you know, Wade Egan at nine. Cody Nikarima at fourteen. Friendy, that sounds like a team that's just gunning for eighth position. They are charging to the top eight. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, I think they'll win this game. Uh, I think, that, like uh, Miles was saying, he, he likes the cut of their jib. They're playing sort of just carefree footy, aren't they, really? I don't think they've got too much expectation at the moment. So I think they'll do well against the Bulldogs team, who, who quite frankly, they couldn't score with a ball each. So um, I'll be tipping the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one before either. I love this podcast because sometimes I just learn new sayings. Like, you know, the the straw that stirs the drink. They couldn't score with a ball each. That's fantastic stuff. Did you learn that one on the golf course as well? Yeah, golf course or cricket field, something like that. Uh, it goes, goes hand in hand with the guys that drop the ball and they've, they've got the hands of a digital clock. <laughs> very very good uh, you have the last game which is also from Morton Daly Stadium in Redcliffe slightly more appetising for the locals it's the Sharks and the Knights it certainly is and Will Chambers uh, he's got the same charge as Kane Evans with brain explosion but his is just from the coach so 
he's been uh, dropped to the reserves this week. Um, yeah, so the Sharks also uh, Jack Wilson's Jack sorry Jack Williams shifts from lock to the back row. Toby Rudolph goes back from prop to take over at number thirteen. Uh, Braden Hamlin Hamlin Ueli will come from the interchange bench onto the front row, and it looks like here Bradman Best he did last week he was um, taken away in an ambulance for a shoulder injury. Then they found a sternum injury. And I've actually, I have a friend of mine who is good mates with Bradman's dad, Roger, and he actually said that he's going to be out for a week or two. So he's been named, but I would expect him to pull out um, closer to the game. So, yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens on game day there. But Jaden Braley, he's a big in for Newcastle there, and Lachlan Fitzgibbon Mm. is a a fantastic out for us. So, um, (laughs) Brings Barnett back onto the edge for us. I'll be tipping Newcastle, and I think, yeah, that'll put the Warriors on the same points as the Sharks come Sunday. <laughs> I want to touch on a couple of things that you've you've sort of uh, pointed out there, Friendy. One is that I, I thought that Bradman Best may well have been the best name associated with Rugby League, but Roger Best, that might be even yep. better. I love that. That's yeah. fantastic. Uh, he, he played for Manly back in the day, uh, Roger. So, oh, yeah, Bradman's dad. Yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You learn something new every day. And the and the other thing is, uh, a few weeks ago, and you've you've alerted me to this. The the sharks were struggling for leg speed early on in the middle um, with mm. Tolman and Wood starting. Now they've got Hamlin, Uele, and Wood starting. That's obviously more to your liking. Do you think that the Knights will have to uh, have a bit more of a challenge to shut that that rotation down at least? Yes, definitely. I think both of them sort of uh, bring a bit of a different sort of vibe to that role as well. So Hamlin Ueli, he finds his front quite well. He's a big body, um, a bit quicker leg speed as well, where Woods is looking for that offload too. So it's a bit of a difference between uh, the two props. And I think that's a, yeah, it's a big improvement for them, but I'll still be tipping Newcastle. And I think Dan Safidi's probably, he's in the top few props in the, in the competition at the moment. So I think he'll make his presence felt on Sunday. He may well do, and Jacob's doing all right himself as well. Um, Miles, now, you mentioned earlier in the pod that Will Chambers may or may not have been the most popular in his own club, uh, and I had heard some things about Fafita and him having a a feud or whatever, whatever, um, which would be unfortunate. I'm wondering whether he's been dropped uh, for disciplinary reasons or whether he's just been dropped for a really shit missed tackle on Ewan Aiken that proved to be the difference in the game. Um, but either way, he's out. Talakai moves to the centres. Um, do you, with this new lineup the Sharks have put together, do you give them much of a chance against the Knights, who are on the charge at the moment? Uh, well, is Sean Johnson in the team? He is not. Then no. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've looked pretty terrible <laughs> without him in the lineup, and they looked pretty good with him in the lineup, And so... Um, obviously, last week didn't change my opinion on that, so I'm still tip- I'm tipping the Knights. They do have a former uh, lower grade gun from the Seagulls, Luke Metcalf, on the bench. Uh, obviously, not good enough to displace the great Connor Tracy there, Kieran. Um, <laughs> do you do you think do you think the Knights should get it done? I do. I think this is uh, Friendy would know, but this has got to be close to their strongest team uh, at the moment. I've got to tip them. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the only thing I could think of that would make them stronger is you take out uh, Daniel Siafiti and you throw in Shane Tronk, but that that would be about <laughs> it. 
Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about let's talk about bold predictions, guys. That's about as bold as I get. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go even bolder. This is a guy that I have hated on uh, pretty consistently since about late 2017 as a Cowboys fan. I'm going to say that no tries will be scored past Jake Granville and Ben Hampton on that left edge of the, side, <laughs> of the side of, of defense. And that that honestly is probably more of a slight against the Tigers. Um, and that's quite bold considering that Adam Dewey often operates on that right-hand side and is a tri-assist machine. I'm regretting it as I speak. But I'm gonna, but I'm gonna stick with it. Jake Granville and Ben Hampton, partnered on the left edge, will not concede a try past them. That is my bold prediction. Miles, you sound like you think I'm crazy. Uh, what's what's your bold prediction this week? <laughs> well, I, I know I espoused some confidence in the Eels um, about five minutes ago, but I am going to go the other way on my bold prediction. I think the Sea Eagles will take advantage of the. Uh, down on their luck, Parramatta team, uh, especially with Reed Marnie out. Um, I think they're going to... I'm going to go a win for the Seagulls by 18+. plus. Seagulls 18+, plus against the Eels. That's uh, well, like 18 or more worked for you uh, a couple of weeks ago, so why not mm. go to the well again? That, that could be a, a winner for you. Uh, Friendy, what's your bold prediction this week? I think there's a few lopsided games this week, and I think there'll be 400 points scored across the round. So it's an average of 50 a game. Yeah, wow. yeah. I was just I was just going to try and do some quick maths, and then I realised that's actually not that hard. That was like big shack level quick maths, <laughs> you know. Uh, 50, 50 <laughs> points a game on average for 400 across the weekend. That's um yeah, that's like there's a few high scoring games potentially there. I feel like a game like the Cowboys and Tigers could leak points, except for down the Cowboys left edge. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> right through the middle, that's where the Cowboys are going to leak points. Right through the middle. Uh, uh, Kieran, what's your bold prediction this week? Yeah, look, if Friendy gets his, uh, I I have a good chance of getting mine, and vice versa. I've got the there's a few uh, potential blowout games, but I've got the Panthers to have the biggest winning margin of any team this round and win by thirty plus. Ooh, they yeah. are set to beat the Dragons, aren't they, on Friday night? So yes, that's that's a, that's a nice early one for you, Kieran. You'll know very early in the week before the weekend even really starts uh, whether you've achieved your bowl prediction or not. I'll have to mm. be on tenterhooks until the next evening, um, guys. I, before we jump into our uh, customary shout-outs, I do want to just pay a little bit of respect to uh, Tavita Pangai Junior, uh, who we just found out uh, he, him and his partner Anna uh, have actually lost their daughter. Georgia, who was 20, 24 weeks into their pregnancy. That's the reason that Jesus. Tavita Pangai Jr. Mm-hmm. needed a little bit of time away from the game. Um, so, obviously, I've, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of us have come across people who, you know, have lost babies about that deep into pregnancy, and, and that's a really terrible thing. So, uh, obviously, best wishes from all of us uh, to Tavita and his mm-hmm. small little family there. That's a, a really shit bit of news. So, um, I don't want to end the podcast there. I do want to give a, a shout out to the person that Friendy gave a shout-out to last week, Lawrence Leggy, for, for your excellent questions. It made for really good content in the middle of the show. So, thanks very much, uh, Lawrence. Shout-out to you. 
I've got a, a shout out to, and Bo will probably edit this out, be being that it's a, a big competitor of the NRL, but I've got a shout out to the AFL for their Making the Mark documentary. Uh, great insight to the not just the AFL industry, but sport as a whole. If you're a sport fan, I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, so Kieran, who, what's your shout out this week? Just kidding. <laughs> Friendy, what do you got this week? Uh, my shout out will just be to my mighty knights and my second mighty warriors. Go the warriors for the eight. <laughs> are they? Are they? Are they the second mighty warriors because your ladder predictor had COVID that time, or because the great knights coach Nathan Brown is now their coach? No, I, I think the the COVID ladder that could maybe it's got vaccinated since then. I don't know, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep banging on about it until they're completely dead. So yeah, go the warriors. And look, it doesn't matter if it's AstraZeneca or Pfizer. We're told they're very, very similar in their efficacy. So uh, go go the ladder predictor as well. And, and Miles, who you got? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to the Alexiak family. They've had a pretty good fortnight. Um, Peniel Alexiak bringing home three Olympic medals, silver, bronze, bronze in swimming for uh, Canada. And her brother, Jamie, signing a, uh, I think about a $25, $30 million contract with Seattle in the hockey. I love, I love that your shout-out has a very Canadian flavour, but I do have a question for you. In the, in the South Park musical, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, <laughs> do you, do you A, hate that movie generally because of the shit they pile on Canada, and B, Blame Canada, is that the worst song on the movie? Um, well, I mean, I feel like worst song in the movie means best song in the movie, in which case I'm going to probably vote for, um, oh, maybe shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. Uh, we'll have to bleep that out, but... No, we won't. That's, that's good. <laughs> Great <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.